Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, Christmas. It it brings out all kinds of emotions. It brings out. I think every emotion that we have is is uh, manifested at Christmas. Can anyone agree with me? Joy, um, sadness, the ones that we've lost, the families we don't have anymore. Eating with family can sometimes be quite confronting. Put up your hand if you're going to meet with family this Christmas. Just about everybody. And put up your hand now if you're if you are so excited because your family is so perfect and you can't wait to go and mix with every one of them. Put up your hand. <laughs> put up your hand if you have some you know, reserve some yucky gut feelings about how is this going to go down this year. Put up your hand if you have that. Oh, you're, so you've all got perfect families and you all feel great about going to meet with them and you, no weird uncles, no strange cousins, no, no, no alcoholics in your families, no drug addicts, no weirdos, no, no, you've all got beautiful families. That's just my extended family. Extended, not immediate, Garth, because Garth, you are just perfect. All my sons are. They'd have to be to marry my daughters. Wouldn't you agree, Melina? You have all that to look forward to. But you know, it's a time when, you know, maybe you know, our sister is conflicted because she's got to go and meet with a sister that they've had history with and there's emotions that rise up. There's memories that come up, isn't there? And there's all these things that we have to deal with because we're, we're a fallen people. We're, we're not perfect families. None of us are. You know, have you ever wondered... Um, what God had in mind when he placed us in families. You know, it would have been so much easier to just keep us all separated. (laughs) But his original idea was families. What was he thinking? It was like, sometimes you think that. What was God thinking? Did you ever think like this, like I have in my life, not with my immediate family, with my extended family, Garth? When I think of my extended family, the family I grew up with, the family that we shared Christmases with our whole lives, I would often ask myself these questions. Why this family? Why this history? Why these genes? Why this child with these issues? Why me and my weakness? We don't um, all have the same past and, and present and future circumstances. But one thing we all have is a wrestle with family. So Christmas is an unusual time. You know, family was the first human relationship created by God. 
the relationship between husband and wife, between Adam and Eve, with the intention of releasing families right across the earth. That was God. Now, God is Father. He calls himself Father. And he's looking, he was looking for a family. And so he created people in his own image after his own heart. But we all know that something terrible happened to that first family, and it was the fall. Sin entered and corrupted the beautiful picture that God had for family. In fact, the first reference that we have to brothers in the, in the Bible is in Genesis 4, and it talks about jealousy and competition and ultimately murder. The first brothers in the Bible murdered each other. Well, not both of them died. One murdered the other one. That's our first vision of what family is. It's no wonder we feel ill-equipped sometimes and sometimes altogether unfit to handle what it takes to do family well. And the same thing when we come into the church. We come into the church and we're saying things like Bree said this morning. Welcome to the family. And we've got a big sign at the back that says home. And then, you know, we're trying to, in all, with all our strength and with, with everything inside of us, understand what that looks like when we don't really have a great frame of reference for what family should look like. And so we bring all our reference of family into the church and, and, and amongst each other, and we're still dealing with that awkward family thing, that elephant in the room, that, you know, that thing that rubs us up the wrong way. It's so amazing that God chose. I just want to go back here. God chose to use a broken understanding of family to communicate his perfect relationship with us as our good father. I mean, he could have just sent Jesus in his image to the earth on a cloud in all his glory. Everybody bow down. Everybody worship me. I'm going to put things in order. But he chose a family. He chose a single mom. He chose a, a betrothed man who had no understanding of what it would be like to deal with a woman who's pregnant and it's not mine. He chose brokenness to bring forth an image of himself. He chose to bring his son, this son who was a king, you know, there's a lot of babies that were born to be kings. But there's not a lot of kings who become babies. But Jesus, the king, seated at the right hand of the father, the beloved of the father, the one who was one with God, was sent to earth, a king, into the lowliest state to be a baby in a family with all its stuff. We know, we know that although some places worship Mary, 
we know Mary was a human being just like you and me. We know she was a girl who was chosen by God just like you and I. We know that even though she was chosen by God, she had her own wars. She had her own family wars. She had to run away when she was pregnant. The war that was created around her, which looked so out of order. It looked so dysfunctional. But to God, it was completely functional. Because God was about to redeem family. God was about to use a dysfunctional family to reveal himself to come and grow up in a family. What does it feel like? Well, Jesus exactly knows what it feels like to grow up in a family. You can't tell me they didn't have gatherings where his aunties and uncles fought. You can't tell me that because he was born into a family that had not yet been redeemed. Is that right? Because he was the redeemer that was coming to redeem family. See, you you imagine how messed up it got from the time of Adam and Eve, from the time of Cain and Abel and the first murder that happened between brothers. How messed up did it get through those thousands of years? How messed up did we get? How dysfunctional did we become? And yet God sends his little son, his baby, The father sent his son in the form of a baby to be raised in a family, to experience family and to model for us what true family actually looks like. You see, God didn't say, I am sovereign God and I am sending sovereign Jesus. He said, I am father and I am sending son. He said, I need to remind my people what I originally created them for. I originally created you to be my son, to be my daughter. That's what I originally created you for. I didn't create you to be a church, to be a body of people loosely gathered together. I created you to be a family. And I created your family to be redeemed by my son, to bring redemption to families. And so the Bible tells us that in Christ we receive, number one, a welcome into the family of God. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, Although at times we feel like aliens, I don't know about you. But your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Number two, we receive adoption as sons and daughters. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So beautiful. Number three, we receive an inheritance with Christ. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. That means everything 
that the Father has now belongs to you through the redemption of His Son. We receive this. We receive an Abba Father. Who knows what Abba means in Hebrew? Who understands? It means Daddy. When we are able to say Abba Father, let me read you the Scripture here. It says, you did not receive... This is in Romans 8.15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It's so amazing that they use that word Abba there. It's the most intimate word that you could use for a father. It's like, you know, you know that we've just had our recent grandchild and Stand up, Garth. Some, like, so congratulations. Stay standing. I want to. I want to shout out about my son-in-law. That the Abba Father word, Daddy, is so being emanated through this man. He is an exceptional father. He is so connected to Elsie already. He could almost have breasts. I've never seen a father give himself so much to bonding with a daughter and making sure, praying over her every day, that the redemptive process that God has begun in Jamie and Garth will continue to the next generation. They are convinced that Elsie will never live with the things they had to live with. Is that right, Garth? You can sit down. So every time I walk past and I see Elsie on his chest and he's, I'm going to cry now, and he's praying over her and I can hear him whispering over her, you are beautiful, you are redeemed. You are called of God. You know, you are, you are free from fear. You are brave. You know, he's saying these things over this little couple of week old baby, whispering them to her. He doesn't know I can hear as I walk up the hallway. I hear him whispering over her. He's just sitting there. And, and I just, I'm just so, that is such a picture of that word Abba. See, we say, we just say it quickly. So we've been adopted into the family of God and by that we can say, Abba, Father. We just say it like that. But we have no concept to what that word actually means. Abba. It means now you are on the breast of God. It means right now you are in the arms of your Father. And He is speaking over you every day. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. You are brave. You are strong. You are mine. He's re reiterating the things that he originally would have spoken of you if he had a chance when you were born. But as we're born again into the family of God, he speaks over us like we're newborn babies. He speaks over us like we're children. 
He draws us in and He is forever longing to unveil our minds and our hearts to bring the revelation of Abba, Daddy, Daddy, God. Daddy, God. You know, I was sitting in my room. I've now been a Christian coming up to 40 years. And I'm sitting in my room the other day and I was praying some things through. And I said, I'm going this and that, you know, God. And the presence of God came so strong into my room. And he said, the reason these things aren't happening, Julie, is because you don't trust me. I said, I beg your pardon. I've been doing this for 40 years. I know how to trust you. I trust you better than a lot of people trust you. And he said, Julie... I'm going to take you through another dimension of knowing me as daddy. I'm going to unlock Abba Father to you. And you are going to know me like you've never known me before. And then he took me back through some pictures of my own father where I found it difficult to trust in some various areas. And he said, see, you've still got that. There's still little areas there where you still don't trust me because you still look at me like I'm your earthly dad, but I'm not. You can totally trust me with this. And so I gave it to him, crying my eyes out. I don't trust you. I want to trust you. I so want to trust you. Please help me to understand who you are. And then he just poured, I felt like a big light came into my chest. And he just poured love and light into my chest. He said, I'm coming, I'm coming in. I'm going to fill you with what it is to know me as father. 2020, you won't know yourself. I'm 60 years of age and I'm still learning that God loves me. We're so messed up. We really are. We really are. So we get, we receive through Jesus, we receive an Abba Father. So precious to me right now. The next point that I have is we receive an eternal home. One, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.1, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. Our house may not be made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. There's such a feeling of knowing that there is a home eternally for us. You know, the Bible says, when you walk through the fires, I will be there and through the flames. When you walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flames. You'll not be drowned. You'll not be burned for I am with you. There's a sense of even now, Fear trying to grip our nation. Fear trying to grip people. But we've got to be like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We've got to know that we have an eternal home. That if I burn, I burn. But I know who my father is and I know where I'm going. And we will find that there'll be a fourth person in the fire with us wherever we go. When you walk through the waters, I'll be there. And through the flames, you'll not be drowned. You'll not be burned, for I am with you. 
This fear of death, it's got to go. Because I am with you. And if I perish, I perish. But I'll always be with you. And I have a home, an eternal home to go to. The next point I have is unity with the Father. And it says in John 17, 21, They will all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They will also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why did, why did he send Jesus? So Jesus could model for us what it looks like to be in the Father, to be in true unity with his Father. He didn't do anything without his Father. He was in communion with his Father every minute of every day. To be in unity with the Father and for the Father to be in him and for him to be in the Father. And then he modeled for us, this is what it can look like If I'm in the Father, my Father is in me, and they will be in us. That's family. That's the beginning of understanding family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect unity, perfect family. That's our model. And as we learn to be in Him, and He he comes and He's in us, and then we are in Him together, and He is in us Together, the unity of the Spirit is formed and we learn how to be family like they are family. Amen? Through redemption. God created family and sin martyr, yeah? But redemption through the little baby Jesus Christ restores us to our Heavenly Father. Whether or not we experience family restoration, because I say that's a lifelong journey, family restoration. When we truly behold the perfect unity between God the Father, Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit, we will begin to see the invitation to understand family. We know that in our hearts, parents are meant to protect, love and provide. We know in your heart that children are nurtured to obey, trust, depend, and honor. But though this picture of family unity, through this picture of family unity, though it's often marred and broken in our sinfulness, God's example and design are not. In our fallen state, family relationships can feel too messy. Children can seem too difficult to parent. Our weaknesses can threaten failure and our histories can seek to disqualify us. But God rewrites our family tree by grafting us into His. Amen. The more we look to God and His example for family, the more we discover the freeing truth. Family is the place where the gospel of redemption is modelled and proclaimed. God uses imperfect families to reflect transformation through the saving and sanctifying work of the cross, one Christ-dependent relationship at a time. He will sanctify families. 
He can heal and restore and transform families through His saving grace. You know, many of you would know my bits of my story. But I came from a family that looked like there was no redemption for. My mother's side were Aboriginal. They were part of the stolen generation. There was death. There was destruction. There was slaughter. There was rape. There was murder. There was alcoholism. There was gambling. There was, there was you know, incest. There was every kind of perverse and horrible sin that you could imagine coming at me as her daughter. And my father's side, you know, were just as bad. Freemasons and, and English heritage and, you know, uh, the elite and, and people weren't accepted. So my mom was not accepted by his parents and his family because they were snobs and, and she was of Aboriginal heritage and she was poor. And so when they came together, my mum and dad, it was like a clashing of, of complete cultures. And our family growing up, although it looked okay on the outside, was a complete and utter mess. And I can remember going to Christmases and there'd be 40 of us because, you know, there was cousins and aunties and uncles and everything was there and it didn't feel like a safe family place for me as a child mostly everybody got drunk mostly everybody started fighting and it was just a weird place to be as a child and so for me growing up in that kind of family atmosphere what I wanted more than anything else in my life was to have a place where my family felt safe where my family felt that they, that they could love one another through their indifferences, through their weaknesses. And by the grace of God, even though I was never supposed to have children was, and was told that I was barren at 17, by the grace of God and through a miracle, God gave me children, gave me beautiful daughters. And I said, Phil and I said, whatever is coming through our generations, to us, it stops right here. And through the knowledge of the redemptive work of this little baby Jesus and what he came to earth for, we put a stake in the ground and we said, this stops right here. Because as for me and my house, we're going to love God. As for me and my house, we're going to worship God. As for me and my house, we're going to say no to sin. As for me and my house, we're going to be cleansed and healed and delivered and set free and make a way for the generations to come because we believe in family. And we believe that through redemption, we can do family well. Amen? This is my family. From nothing, from barrenness to this. Keep them going. Look at that. Moses and Evan. Look at that. Redemption, miracles, faith, honor. Generations are being blessed. God is in us, God is with us, and God is around us. Now, we're coming up to our Christmas day together, aren't we family? And I'm sure in them there is there's sibling rivalry, there's staff growing up that they've got to deal with when they face each other. No family is perfect, right? I mean, we're all going to just go, uh. 
But if we can walk into our Christmases and be like that star, be like that star that shines, that leads others to Jesus Christ. If we can put aside our own needs, our own pain, our own, well, you know, they treated me bad, so they owe me something. I'm not speaking to that family. We can put all that aside. And as Pastor Bill said, forgive, release. Be the example of the Saviour to your family, to your friends, to your immediate family. And I guarantee you redemption will begin. Give out an invitation for redemption. Live it yourself. Act like a Christian. Love like Jesus. Be like your daddy. Embracing those Don't have an expectation of your family and your friends that they should behave like this and then I will accept you. Because guess what? He accepted you when you were behaving quite similar. He loved you before. He loved you from the moment you were formed in your mother's womb, you were perfect to him. He was Abba Father before you were even born again. He was whispering over you. He was holding you tight. You didn't even know in the midst of your situations, you didn't even know that Abba Father was present in your life. And they don't know either. And so be the star, be the light as we go into our families this Christmas be the redemption don't be the unredeemed don't take Christ off and walk in well you know this is what I'm like in church I'm just lovely and I love everybody I walk into my family you know or, (laughs) or you know like swear like they swear or whatever you know just sink into the culture that's around you you are you were born to stand out you are a child of God You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been bought with a great price. God can show family, model family, through you and through yours. Amen? I look down here at Bill and Leo. I remember when you first came into the church, they were getting divorced. They weren't even living together. They couldn't stand each other. He was coming to us and saying, you know, my wife, this, this. She was coming to me and saying, my husband, this, this, this. You know, and God, how many years has it been now, Bill? You've been here. Three years. Three years ago, these guys were going to get divorced. Now, they are the mushiest, most romantic. You look on their Facebook page, they're just like... Yeah, they, they, they need an air conditioner in their bedroom. Like they are, it gets hot, it gets hot in there. That's going over the top of children's heads right now. But that's the redemption of God. Think about yourself for one moment. Think about yourself, even you, Ellie. How has God redeemed you in, in the midst of your family? I remember when Ellie came in, her family's Greek Orthodox. It's like, you don't want to go to that church. You're Greek. You go to Greek church. You have to go to Greek church. And she had to fight all that to stay in this church. And now I'm sure that your family is so blessed by who you are and who you've grown into be. And, and, and there's a peace there. There's an understanding like mum and dad, 
Look at me. I'm doing good. This church is good for me. And your Greek church is great for you. And let's just meet in the middle. Do you know what I mean? God is so good. He is redeeming. He is redemption. He can do it. But it takes us saying, Jesus, we believe what you have done. We believe in this little baby that he came to teach us family. We believe in Abba Father. We believe in an eternal home. We believe we've been adopted in as sons and daughters. We believe we're no longer outcasts or aliens, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we're going to model family. We're going to do our best to model family in our communities, in our families. And then tonight at five o'clock, we're going to model what it's like to be church family right here. What does it feel like to have between 120 and 160 people for dinner? And everybody's bringing food. It says chaos, but it says family. You know, there's something about sharing food together. There's something about singing dumb Christmas carols, karaoke version, and laughing at each other together. But tonight when you come, we're going to have at least two tables, probably about 22, between 22 to 30, special honoured guests here tonight. And those, and those of you that are bringing family and friends, maybe for the first time to church, this isn't going to be a church service. This is going to be a family dinner with Santa Claus and carols and lots of fun. It's a safe place to bring family and friends. But listen, we have about 20, at least 22 people that we're calling our honoured guests. And we're going to honour them and we're going to spoil them. Some of them are homeless. Some of them are without family. Some of them are lonely. Some of them are just needing friends, eh? Some of them are poor. They can't afford Christmas dinner. We're going to put on a Christmas dinner for us as a family and we're going to model to them what family looks like. We've got big parcels of food to give them. We're going to spoil them. They're not bringing food. We're bringing food for them. And we're going to give them the best best Christmas dinner they ever had. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm praying for a revelation of family tonight. So sit with people tonight that you don't know so well. Sit with people that maybe you don't talk to all the time at church. Move around tables through the night and talk to different people. Don't just stay with those you're comfortable with. And let's create family culture here tonight. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.